Well, hello, and nice to see you. We've been away for a couple of weeks' holiday. So if you have um, joined our church family in that time, I'm sorry I've missed you. Please do come and say hello. It's great to be away, but it's always really lovely to come home too. You're really welcome today, whether you are a regular with us or whether you're a guest here. And I'm assuming that you're here either because you're actively following Jesus or you're wanting to find out some more about what that life looks like. Wherever you are on your journey with God, you're really welcome here today. I hope you've seen through worship today that as people who are following Jesus, we are a really grateful people. We're really grateful to God that he loves us. We're grateful that he's with us and that he's saved and he's rescued us. These are the things that we've been singing about today. He's got a plan for us. He wants to use us to bring his life and his hope to people around us. And he's with us through the great moments in life and through the really rocky and difficult times too. And you know, just as um, we were singing those songs of worship, I just suddenly thought, I wondered if there would be anybody here today who has been thinking about following Jesus. And as you have experienced his presence in worship, this might be the moment when you want to say your yes to him. And I'd hate to rush on past without giving you that chance. And so if that is you, I'm not going to ask you to do anything awkward or embarrassing, but let's just have a moment now. It might be that you, as you've been singing these songs, you've thought, yes, this is real for me. I understand for the first time that I have been rescued, that I have been saved, that God is with me and he loves me and he's for me. So why don't you have a moment of quiet? You might want to just pause and close your eyes. You could just follow me in this prayer if you'd like to. God, thank you for the truth that you love me. Thank you that you know me. And you know all about me. You know the state of my life, the things I love about it and the things I'm sad about and that I regret. And today I want to say sorry for the things that I've done that aren't in line with, with stuff that pleases you. And I want to have a new life with you. I want to fully know the hope and the life that we've been singing about today. So please forgive me for my past and wash me clean. And fill me with your presence so I can live life your way. Amen. And if you have prayed that prayer today, maybe for the first time, I'd love it if you come and chat with me afterwards because I can give you some stuff to help you kind of take your next steps of faith. Perhaps you haven't prayed that prayer and you're still really welcome to be kind of engaging in this conversation because as Nigel has, has told you, today on this lovely bank holiday weekend, we are thinking about resetting. I thought today was a really good time just to pause and to think about where we are. You know, we're looking forward to September and it's a new term and some of you maybe have got kids who are starting school for the first time or starting a new school for the first time. Maybe you're starting a new job. Maybe you've got a child or a grandchild who's going off to uni or to college for the first time. You know, September's often seen a bit like a new year, isn't it? And that made me think a little bit about January and that new year, the proper new year. Can anybody remember that far back? Can anybody remember making a resolution this January? Anyone remember one? A few faces. Can anyone manage to keep a resolution since January? You know, I don't want to depress you, but I, um, I read that 80% of New Year's resolutions are, forgive, are forgotten by mid-February, um, apparently. That's the stats that they give. And that's a bit depressing, isn't it? And I just suddenly thought, you know, some of us in the new year decided that we were going to make changes, that we were going to do new things. And yet here we are, end of August, and a lot of those are kind of forgotten, and we haven't made as much progress as we wanted 
But the really wonderful thing, the encouraging thing that we heard from the word that Caroline brought and that we're going to think about today is that with God that there are always new starts and always new beginnings. And you know, as we look into um, September, often at the beginning of terms, we as a church family have a week of prayer, a time when we pause and pray and listen to God together. And as I was preparing for this autumn, I just thought, I wonder if God's asking us to do something slightly different. Yes, it's really important to pray. But slightly more than that, I just felt like we were invited to reset some of our patterns and some of our practices in our relationship with God. And so on the sheet alongside you on the chair, you've got a little kind of program about that. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Because in our walk with God, we can often have really great intentions, can't we, about how we're going to spend time with him, how we're going to grow a relationship with him, how we're going to make all these great choices to do things that make us more like Jesus. And certainly for me, I'm very good at starting new things and getting excited about new things. But it can be really tricky sometimes to follow them through. And it may be that this summer you've been away with friends. Maybe you've been to one of the Christian festivals. Maybe you've been to Soul Survivor or earlier in the year you're at DTI. Maybe you've just come back from New Wine or one of the other camps that's been going on. You've come back really excited about starting some new things in your relationship with God. But it can be tricky to keep going. And so today, as we look into September, I'm offering all of us an invitation, all of us an invitation to reset, inviting us to get back to basics in our life with God. And we're going to talk about some areas of our life where we can reconnect with God. And as a church family, we've talked about these kind of on and off through the year. And so some of you may think, oh, I've heard this stuff before. And you have. If you've been coming here for a while, you have. And the reason we talk about it is because it's important. These are some of the routines and practices that are just part of us following Jesus. But today, what I'd love to do is I'd love us to dig a little bit deeper and to make it a little bit more personal. And as we think about these areas, what I'd love us to do is just to ask ourselves some questions about how we're doing. If you're someone who's actively trying to follow Jesus, how are things going? When you left school... Maybe some of you at the end of July, maybe some of you a long time ago, you will have had a report which assessed how you were getting on. And today I'm not going to give you a percentage or a letter or a number, but I'm just going to invite you to have a little think. If you and God together were to give you a number or to assess how you're doing and what, what he wants to say to you, what would he say? Is it a could do better? Or is it a you're doing great here? And always with good teaching and good assessment what are the targets that he's got how does he want to help you grow and encourage you you know yesterday I was paying for parking in Eastleigh and I saw this sign on the parking meter you may well have seen it but I found it very encouraging not the £4.60 bit but the bit at the bottom which says change is possible and so I think they meant I could put a £5 note in but I was really encouraged that as Caroline was saying we don't have to hold on to the regrets of the past but change is possible in our relationship with God. And so today we're going to be thinking about some questions. Where do I need to change or grow? What does it look like for me to become more like Jesus in this season? And what do I need to work on? And you may say, well, hang on a minute. I thought you said earlier that we're here because we're a grateful people, that this friendship with God is all about him. It's not about me. It's about his love and his kindness. So what do you mean? What do I have to work on? And the thing is that both are true. We can only come to God because of his love and kindness. We're only saved, we're only rescued because of him. We can't do anything to earn that. But when we know that we're saved, we're a grateful people and we do our best to live in ways that please him. In Philippians 2 verse 12, it says, Work hard to show the results of your salvation, 
obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I read that, I thought, wow, that's amazing. God is working in me to give me the desire and the power to do what pleases him. If you're ever stuck for something to pray, what a great thing to pray. In fact, why don't we pray that now? Father God, would you give us the desire and the power to do what pleases you? Thank you that you're working in us. Just increase that desire in us. And some of you may have heard of a fellow called Dallas Willard. He's an American philosopher and writer. And he said, grace, which is God's kindness to us, is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. God loves us completely already. And our response of love for him is to want to know and understand him more and become more like him. You know, this year we've been talking as a church family about being apprentices to Jesus and how to become more like him, about the spiritual disciplines of reading our Bibles and praying, of meeting together, of giving, of mission, a whole range of different things. These things are called spiritual disciplines and they're things that God uses to shape us. You know, we were on holiday last week and we went to the Netherlands and we went to this really cool place to see how clogs are made. I thought you might like to see Nigel's choice of shoes on that day. But I don't know if you've ever seen how clogs are made. It's really, really cool. So there's a machine. In fact, I'll bring you my little clog. So there's a machine which has two blocks put into it. One is a shaped clog, and the other is a block of wood. I'll show you a little demo. And then the machine has two prongs that stick out, like this. And one prong goes around the shape of the already made clog. And then the other prong copies the shape. And so the second prong actually has a cutter on the end of it. And so what started off as a block of wood gets cut out as the prongs move around and form the shape of the clog. Does that make sense? If you didn't understand that, I'll give you a lesson afterwards. <laughs> but the point is that we are to be like these blocks of wood. If we want to look like Jesus the finished clog. In fact, my family didn't want me to buy a proper pair, but I was quite keen. Can't wear those, Mum. If we want to be like Jesus, the finished clog, we need to be shaped and changed by the Holy Spirit. And the way that he does that is as we cooperate with him by being like Jesus, by doing the things Jesus did. And so these practices that we talk about are not just a good idea that someone's thought up about, but they're the things that Jesus did when he walked the earth. He spent time with the word, with the Bible that he had then. He spent time eating with people, telling people about himself. These different practices are things that we do. And as we do those things, as we choose to do those things, we can become more like Jesus, more like a finished clog. Change is possible. And as we make these daily decisions, even when we don't feel like it, over time, we'll see that change actually happens. And so, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, well, what kind of practices do we want to think about in September? What might we want to get back on track with? And I came up with this word, reset. And each of the letters, it's very clever, each of the letters stands for a particular thing. So we're going to read, as Nigel said, eat, share, engage, and take time. But today, I just wondered, as we look at these things, whether you might want to assess where you're at and see if there's a particular area that you want to grow in, or maybe there's all of them. You think, actually, yeah, I'm going to, I want to spend that week really thinking and focusing and make it almost like a bit of a retreat week 
while you're working on this because you can do these things. These are practices that work when you're on holiday or when you're working, when you're busy with family or whether you're on your own. There are things that all of us can do. So let's launch in. The first thing is read something from the Bible every day. And as a church family, we've been having a year when we've been trying to dig into the Bible more. God has a book out. We have this book available in paper form. We can read it on our phones. We can listen to audio Bibles. And somebody said once, which is the best kind of Bible to get? And the answer is, it's the one that you're going to read. And as we look back in January, um, there are some talks on the website about how to choose a Bible and different things that, you, that we can use to help us get into the Bible and why it's so important to read it each day. But today, I was just really drawn to Psalm 119. And I've printed out some of it on your sheet. And I'm really sorry because I was sure it had come from the message version of the Bible. And when I looked it up this morning, I found that it hadn't. So if you would really like to know which translation it's from, I'll work it out and let you know if you come and ask me. But it, I promise you, it is from the Bible. And we're just going to read part of Psalm 119 today. And here are some verses that I've selected. It says, it's entitled, The Way to Happiness. You're only truly happy when you walk in total integrity, walking in the light of God's word. What joy overwhelms everyone who keeps the ways of God, those who seek him as their heart's passion. They'll never do what's wrong, but will always choose the paths of the Lord. God has prescribed the right way to live, obeying his laws with all our hearts. How I long for my life to bring you glory as I follow each and every one of your holy precepts. That's kind of like your rules, your laws. Then I'll never be ashamed, for I take strength from all your commandments. Then in verse 10 it says, I've longed for you with the passion of my heart. Don't let me stray from your directions. I consider your prophecies to be my greatest treasure, and I memorize them and write them on my heart. In 14, I find more joy in following what you tell me to do than in chasing after the wealth of the world. In verse 20, I'm continually consumed by these irresistible longings, these cravings to obey your every commandment. And then into verse 25, Lord, I'm fading away. I'm discouraged and lying in the dust. Revive me by your word, just like you promised you would. I've poured out my life before you and you've always been there for me. So now I ask, teach me more of your holy decrees. Open up my understanding to the ways of your wisdom and I will meditate deeply on your splendor and your wonders. My life's strength melts away with grief and sadness. Come strengthen me and encourage me with your words. And so Psalm 119 tells us that people who read the Bible, let's look at verse 1, they walk in integrity. That means they're honest. You know, their walk matches up with their talk. They do what they say they're going to do. In verse 2, thank you. Nigel's just telling me, it's the Passion Translation. He's done the homework for me. Thank you, love. Um, so people who read the Bible walk in integrity. They're overwhelmed with joy. Who'd like a bit more joy in life? Anybody? Yes, read the Bible. You can be overwhelmed with joy. In verse 3, they choose the right paths. In verse 5, they bring God glory through their lives. In verse 6, they're not ashamed and they're strengthened. So these are some of the bonuses about reading the Bible, reading God's word. I don't know about you, but as I've read this, I actually find this really challenging and almost embarrassing, the way the psalmist talks to God about his word. It feels really personal and intimate, doesn't it? Look in verse 10. I have longed for you with the passion of my heart. Don't let me stray from your, your directions. And then I consider your prophecies to be my greatest treasure. Is that what we'd say? You know, if your house was burning, 
Would it be your Bible that you grabbed as you ran out? Because what God has written in here is so precious. I find that as a huge challenge. I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever received a love letter. But way back in the dark ages, in the 90s, Nigel and I were dating. And we used to write to each other because we didn't have email. And we didn't have phones. And we didn't have texts and all that Snapchatty bits and bobs, all those things. And so we wanted to communicate with one another. Particularly when I went to do some voluntary work in Jamaica, we actually had to sit down and write a letter. And it took two weeks to arrive with your beloved. And so whenever a letter arrived, it was a really treasured thing. And then one day I discovered this really amazing magical thing called a fax machine. And so I was in Jamaica and I wrote Nigel a letter and it's a very clever machine. What you do is you, you write a letter and you put it into this machine at one end and then magically it goes all the way across the sea and it comes out at another fax machine close to the person that you love. And so, of course, Nigel didn't have a fax machine, but there was one in the office where he was working. And so when a fax from me would arrive, he, someone from the office would have to give him a call and say, right, you know, you've had a call, had a, a fax from Joe. And one terrible day, I was so desperate to share my love and the stories that were going on that I wrote and wrote and wrote on this piece of paper and I wrote really tiny and I packed it all around the edges. I think I illustrated it. And I sent this fax and it came through at the other end. And it was so dense and the machine was so rubbish, Nigel couldn't read it. And there it was, he had this letter from his beloved that had been written that very day. And yet he couldn't read what it said. And so of course he was distraught and desperate until <laughs> he tried to photocopy it darker and all this kind of stuff. I think most people in the office were looking at it, trying to work out what it said. But he couldn't work out what I'd been saying. So my message of love didn't get through. But fortunately we don't have that problem, do we? Because we have a message of love from God who is passionate about us that we can choose to read or listen to every single day. And so let's get into reading some of the Bible each day. And Lord, would you give us the same love and longing for your word that we have for other things? A month or so ago, we had a chap called Matt Hyam who came and spoke to us on Sunday morning and then came and gave a lecture in the evening. And he was speaking about Deuteronomy. Do you remember? Deuteronomy is not as boring as you think. And afterwards, I was really chuffed to have um, an email from Morris and Gail, who lead one of our life groups. And this is what they said. They said, our life group have had a couple of discussions about Matt Hyam's talk on Deuteronomy, particularly about giving to the poor, and the principle that it's not just about responding to need if asked, but being aware and looking out for need. We are aware of the very many things that our church do for people outside the church, such as our compassion ministry, Caris Kids, missionary partners, but we're not so sure about the provision for family within the church, so people who come along to the church but might have needs. And we remembered there had been a discussion about a hardship fund, but we weren't sure how to access it. And we would love to have a way that we could give so that we could be more like the early church in looking after each other. And I thought, wow, that's really impactful, isn't it? That this life group were not just reading what the Bible said. They weren't just hearing what it said. But actually they were saying, and how do we do this? How do we put this into practice? And so you may well have heard that we have got a hardship fund. You can find out about it on our website. And we can access that to help people in the church family who are coming through particular difficulties or crises. I was just blown away. I thought, wow, these people are reading the book and doing it. And as John Wimber said, he started the Vineyard Movement. He said, we're not just going to be biblically literate. We need to be a people who are biblically obedient we don't just want to know what it says, we're going to do what it says. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks 
and he gives a lovely picture about the importance of getting our, our foundations on what he says. If you've been around church for a long time, when I was grew up in going to Sunday school, and I sang a song about, um, about this. In the Bible, it's called The Wise and Foolish Builders. I'm just thinking, no, I'm probably not going to sing it to you. But it's about how the wise man, do you know this song? The wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rain came tumbling down. Something. Do you want to sing? Go on then. The wise man built his <laughs> got the actions and everything. <laughs> and so the principle of the story is the wise person builds on good foundations on a rock and the foolish person just builds on the sand where there's no foundation. And that looks great, but when the storms come, the building on the sand falls down. It's got no foundation. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 says that anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise, the winds beat against that house and it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rain and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And as we read the Bible each day, the actions, the responses for each of us might be very different. For some of us, it just might be take courage. For others, it might be love one another. It might be for you, give to someone who sees in need. Encourage a friend, stand firm. But we each have, an, we each have access to a daily message from God for us. And in a minute, we're just going to review. We're going to have a little think about how we're getting on with reading the Bible. And I would love you, in the quiet, just to be really honest with God. I was reading a blog post from a friend of ours called Jason, who's a pastor and theologian. And he said this. He was talking about um, some struggles he had with his mental health. Back in 1999, when I had panic attacks every day, I found I couldn't even read the Bible. I used to go to bed with the Bible clutched to my chest. I prayed, Lord, this is so important to me, but I don't know how to read it anymore. I cling to it and I trust that holding this as I have panic attacks and go to sleep is enough for you. It was, of course, enough. In fact, it was probably the most honest prayer that I've ever prayed that God responded to. And so God knows where we're at. He knows our struggles. And we can be completely honest with him and look at how to move on and to grow in this area. So on your sheet under the, the read section on the A4 size sheet, there are just some questions about reading the Bible and I'd just love you to spend a moment thinking about this. You know, person, don't, not to discuss with other people, but you and God. How regularly do you read the Bible? What difference could it make to you to read it more often? What have you read recently and put into practice? Where do you need help? Is it with starting to read the Bible or understanding what it says or putting it into practice? And who can help you? When can you ask them for that help? Let's just spend a moment in the quiet thinking about those things. So if this is an area that you want to grow in, then why don't you just make a note on your phone or scribble something on the piece of paper about what it might be that you are going to do to put into practice to, to grow in this area. Okay, so that was the R, reading the Bible. Now we're thinking about eating together. Meals are really important in the Bible. You know, I heard somebody say that Jesus basically ate his way through the New Testament. And if you look at the Gospels, he's often sharing meals with people. He had a meal with, at Peter's mother-in-law's house, and with Matthew the tax collector, with Simon the Pharisee, with Zacchaeus, who was that little guy who went up the tree, 
with Mary and Martha. You know, he had the last supper with his mates, with his disciples. He even had food that he made stretch further than it should really go. I don't know whether anyone who's been kind of catering for anyone has, has had that experience, thinking, we need more, Lord, help us. And that's what Jesus does. In Acts 2, verse 42, it talks about food being important to the early church. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And the translation that we often read is, can you flick on the next one, please, Steve? The Acts 2.42. We often read, they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And I don't know about you, but when I think about breaking of bread, I tend to think about communion. And that is really important, how we remember that Jesus died and rose again. But also, what there, the sense of breaking bread is not just communion, it is about sharing meals together. And there's something important, isn't there, about sharing food. Food isn't just fuel, but what's important around it is the conversations that we have and the community that we forge. There was a recent report from the Oxford Economics Group who said that eating meals together improves mood, combats feelings of isolation, and even improves self-image. And the study showed that people who ate alone were 7.9 factors less happy than the national average in a measurement of happiness. And this supports what psychologists have long suggested, that humans are social animals who gain major health benefits from face-to-face -face interaction. There's another report which says that almost a third of British adults now eat alone most of the time or all of the time. And in there are um, over 2,000 consumers in some research from Sainsbury's who are over 16 and who regularly, meet, ev regularly eat every single meal alone. Now, maybe you enjoy the peace of having a meal on your own, but there are lots of benefits from eating together, lots of benefits of getting to know each other better. As we share food, we share conversation, we share likes and dislikes. And as a church family, as a gathered church with people who come from all over the place, we have a real challenge about building community. I don't know if you've realised that. If we all lived together in the same village and we saw each other at the shops and the post office and at the pub regularly, then it would be easier for us to know each other well and to be friends. But actually, some of us driving from Southampton or from Eastley or from Andover or from Newbury or from Petersfield, we come from all over the place. And I've seen you. I know some of you find it very easy to come in and you come in just before worship starts and you sit and you face forward and you engage in the worship and you listen to the talk and then you slip out at the end. Now that is your choice. But if you want to be part of community, then you're going to need to give a little bit more. And those of us who really feel at home here, and this is family and community work to us, are going to have to open our arms and give a little bit more too. We want to be a place where, like in the Bible, the Bible talks about church as family. We're brothers and sisters, we're mothers and fathers. And when I meet with my family, we hang out, we eat food, we find out what's going on. If someone needs some help or advice, then we try and share that. And if we're different to that in the church, well, I don't think we should be different to that in the church. And so what could we do? Well, as Nigel mentioned, in a couple of weeks' time, we're just having a barbecue after church. You need to book a ticket so we know how many sausages to buy. And on that day, why not take the time to say hi to someone you know already, but maybe to get to know some people you don't know yet. We've also got a thing coming up in September called Life Group Goes Large. We meet here on a couple of Wednesday nights, just have a really simple meal of soup and bread and cheese. 
and we chat together around the table. You can book in to come and do that and meet some new people. There are some folk who came last year who have continued to meet throughout this year with their particular table of friends. They've got to know some different people. But you don't have to come just to those things. Why not have a look around? Why not see who looks like they're sitting on their own or who's a bit on the fringe or someone who you just like the look of and invite them for a meal or even invite them for a coffee? To share a simple thing together. And you know, it doesn't need to be cordon bleu. When we put these pictures up, the one we put up before, beautiful picture of us all sitting around the table. It's very continental, doesn't it? All looks very kind of chilled. Maybe your mealtimes are like that, or maybe they're a bit more like this one. The point is not what you serve, and not really how you serve it. But the point is about us being together and sharing community. You know, as our staff team here, we have lunch together a couple of times a week because some of us work upstairs, some downstairs, we don't always manage to connect. We just bring our sandwiches and we chat and we get to know each other. I know another group of fellows from the church who meet together over an English breakfast once a week, put the worlds to rights and support each other. You know, we can be creative about the times and the places we meet. But what could you do in your context to connect with other people? On the sheet, there are four questions about eating together. Do you find it easy to share meals with others? If not, why not? Maybe you don't feel like you've got a space where you can host. And then a friend of ours just always used to say, come for a meal with me, and then invite us to somebody else's house, and he'd come too. Maybe you feel like you don't know how to cook. Well, maybe you could learn, or you could ask, ask people to come and buy some pizza with you from Tesco's and share a pizza together. Maybe you just don't know who to ask. If that's the case, you could look around, you could pray. Or you can come and ask me and I'll help you connect with somebody. Next question is, so what could you do to change things? And there are some ideas. Who do you know who'd appreciate sharing a meal or a coffee? And the fourth one, when could you invite them over? I'm not going to spend a long time thinking about those, but maybe if this is the area that God's challenging about, as I carry on talking, you just might want to be having a conversation with him about that. So we've talked about reading the Bible, eating together, now sharing Jesus with someone who doesn't know him yet. The essence of our faith is that it's good news, and it's good news worth sharing. And in Matthew 28, you may be aware of this, where Jesus talked to his disciples just before he went back to heaven. He said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. You know, our faith is not a secret and a private thing just for us. It's something that's supposed to make a difference. And we talk here a lot, don't we, about being scattered servants, about taking Jesus' life and hope into the communities around us. And someone said to us recently, oh, does that mean I actually need to talk about Jesus? And the truth is, yes, sometimes. You know, sometimes we can be scattered servants just by loving and serving but sometimes we actually need to talk about the reason why we are the people we are. Some friends of ours moved from Leeds to Edinburgh in 2017 to plant a vineyard church up there. And uh, my friend Kate just told me this story recently. She said, I needed to get my hair cut and I Googled one of the many hairdressers in Edinburgh. The website came up and there was a drop down menu of all the stylists. So I asked the Holy Spirit who he wanted me to book with. The name Maxine jumped out at me. So I made an appointment with her and headed down to the salon that very same day. As I sat in the chair, I started to chat with Maxine and told her about our church planting story. Maxine replied, no way, I'm looking for a church. 
Me and my friend have been chatting about this for ages. We're both 22 and we just want something with meaning. I told her where we met. She went off and came back to say they were coming on Sunday. Maxine and her friend both came to church that Sunday and started meeting up with me to chat about Jesus. Maxine gave her yes to Jesus one Sunday and it was our total honour to baptise her last week. And so that was just a conversation about church stuff and then see how the door opened. I'm a bit short on time, but there's another lovely one too. Another story from the same church, another lady. I was walking into town and as I passed a nail bar, I felt the Holy Spirit say, go and get your nails done. (laughs) I love that. But she said, I've never had my nails done before, so I didn't really know what that meant. I went into the nail bar and asked the Holy Spirit why I was there. My attention was immediately drawn to the lady behind the desk and I felt the Holy Spirit say, you're here for her. I asked to have an appointment with that lady called Liz the next week and so a week passed, I arrived at the nail salon and sat down with Liz. We started chatting and I asked what her story was and also shared mine. Liz told me she had lupus. In the night, she said to God, if you're there, would you help me? And she said... And then you walked in the next morning. Liz told me her hair was falling out, that she didn't sleep because she itches all night. And so with my hands in the fancy nail dryers, I asked her if I could pray. Liz said yes. I took authority and commanded the lupus to go in the name of Jesus and also invited her to church on Sunday. But Liz said no thanks. I said that was totally fine. It was a pleasure to meet her and I left her an Edinburgh Vineyard card. I didn't think anything would happen, but the next morning I got a message from her saying that she couldn't stop thinking about our conversation. Liz said she'd slept through the night and she hadn't itched once. She also asked to come to one of our meetings. To cut a long story short, Liz is a total delight. We met up to chat about Jesus. She did Alpha and gave her yes to Jesus. God hasn't finished with her story. Of that I am convinced. Isn't that a lovely story? And then one that's a bit closer to home. As Nigel mentioned, we had an Alpha course last term, and we've got another one coming up in September. And this is just a little testimony from a fellow called Danny, who came on the Alpha course. Um, He is part of another church locally, so he goes to um, a village church locally, and was challenged by his vicar to try Alpha. And he said, I will, but I'm not coming to your Alpha because I like you too much, and if I disagree with you, I won't want to come back to church. So I'll find another course to go to. So he came to us. Danny said, I went in quite sceptical. I think the fear for someone like me, who you might describe as a Sunday Christian, the fear was I'd be required in some way to fundamentally change myself and become some sort of God basher. But I went on the course. Some people will know the format. There's a series of videos which are basically given by a team from Holy Trinity Brompton. And the videos are amazing. They're very slick. And when I watched the first two, I said, it's all a bit slick and it has a sense of marketing. And everyone seemed to be flying around in planes and they seemed to be wealthy and I had some concerns. But I listened and I read the Bible and I followed what they were saying and I loved the course. It was absolutely fantastic. I just went and watched and looked. Then on the very last or second to last session, the pastor, Nigel, invited us to say some prayers together. I don't know about you, but for me it was difficult to say those prayers openly. It was very embarrassing and not very British. Anyway, he said a prayer for me and in fact I can feel this now. He said this prayer, and I felt this overwhelming flood of love. It's embarrassing to say it, but I felt it anyway. I could scarcely contain myself. And since that moment, I quite often have those moments. I've understood that I'm loved by God, I love him back, and I want to do the things I'm told I should do and feel I want to do. Isn't that lovely? And that's a story from our Alpha course here. And so perhaps you have a friend who you could invite to Alpha. Perhaps there's somebody in your life who you could just challenge to come along and have a listen. Because 
When people come and take time to investigate Jesus, he loves to meet them. And as we've often said, actually inviting people is just our responsibility. How they respond is not our responsibility at all. It's up to them to choose yes or no. We don't make people come. But perhaps you could be thinking and praying about who it is that you might invite. So there's some questions on your sheet about sharing Jesus with someone who doesn't know him yet. How do you find this? Is this something that you want to grow in? Who could help you grow in this area? Who are you praying for regularly? Have you got friends or family who don't know Jesus yet that you're praying for? And perhaps you could invite some of them to the comedy night that was mentioned or to the Alpha course. So we've looked at reading the Bible, eating together, sharing Jesus, and now we're on to the last two, engaging. And we're talking about engaging and worship and praying together as a church family. And in some ways I'm preaching to the choir, aren't I, because you're here. But it's really important that we connect together as church family. Jesus said, when two or three are gathered together in my name, that's where I'll be. And there is something particular about when we gather together to worship about his presence. In Hebrews, it also says, look, don't give up meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now as the day of his return is drawing near. And you know, sometimes I don't know about, well, it's slightly different for me because it's my job to come. I love coming to church, but actually, if I wasn't here, then there wouldn't be anybody doing the talk and it'd be noticed. But I don't know about you, but maybe some, Monday, some Sundays you wake up and think, oh, I don't really fancy it, I feel a bit flat today. Not really sure about this. Don't know if I'll know anybody there. They won't miss me if I'm not there. But the Bible talks about us being God's family and we are the body of Christ. It talks about how we're all important. And so I just wanted to encourage you that maybe you're a come along to church once a month kind of person. And if you are, it's great to have you here. But why do you think, as we're going forward into September, about coming twice or maybe three times a month? Why don't you just make it part of your routine and pattern that you'll come and connect with the church family? Because when we get together, that's where we are encouraged and we encourage one another. And you know, as you come along, it may well be that you've got something to encourage somebody else who's feeling in a harder or a worse place than you. So engage on the Sundays. We'd love to see you. And then Mudge also mentioned the prayer meetings. Perhaps you've never been to one of our church prayer meetings together we'd love to see you as we pray for mission partners or we pray for our justice or we pray for our wider community i've been going to some of long going along to some of the anti-trafficking prayer meetings the justice prayer meetings you know we're a small number and i don't make it every time but when we get together we have a real sense that we're partnering with god this stuff really matters to him and when we were on holiday last week there was a fellow in the flat next to us who's a police officer in the local area here um, I don't think he's a believer. And we asked him about his work, and he works with exploited children and trafficked children. And I got really excited. I said, oh, I've been praying for you. And he looked a bit taken aback. And I said, we pray for people who do your job. We pray for people like you who are at the, the coalface, whose hearts are traumatized regularly by the stories you hear, who need creative ways to find solutions, to find the kids being trafficked, to get the answers. And you know, we love it because as we pray, we see solutions. There, We've got resources that we look at, that we, we have connections with different charities and groups, and we see our prayers answered. And so if you wonder if prayer makes a difference, then why don't you come to one of these prayer meetings, either the Justice one or the Mission Partners um, or the Locality one? 
because we'll see God answering prayers. And then finally, the last thing to do after we're reading our Bibles, eating together, sharing Jesus, engaging corporately, it's also important to take time to pray on our own, isn't it? To connect with Jesus personally. Our relationship with him is personal. We can't rely on other people. And if you want to get to know someone better, you need to spend time with them. And so we're just having a suggestion for that reset week that perhaps you might like to engage with God at different points in the day. You might want to set an alarm on your phone at three different points in the day. That's what some of us will do. Maybe at seven in the morning, maybe at lunchtime, maybe seven in the evening, or a different time if that works for you. And the point of that is just when the alarm goes off, you remember, reminds you to connect with God. And at the back of the room, we've got some lovely little cards available, which are prayer resources, and they're free if you'd like to take them. Please only take them if you use them, because they're free to you, but obviously they're not free to us. We have to pay for them. And there are a couple of prayers on there. The first one is called Centering Prayer. This is something you might want to use in the morning. And it just is a little kind of pathway that you can, a little, some steps you can take to help you to connect with Jesus first thing in the morning. Then at lunchtime, maybe you want to pray the Lord's Prayer. And then in the evening, there's another card, which is called the Examine. And it's a reflective prayer to help you think about um, what's happened in the day and where God has been with you throughout the day. And so these are available at the Connect Desk at the end of the service, if you'd like to go and connect those. Something else that you might like to do that we talked about a few weeks ago is you might also want to think about fasting in that week. And some of us will be fasting for food or for other things, just to help us to connect with God some more and show him about our love and devotion. So on your sheets, you've got some questions about engaging with God and about taking time. And my time's gone. Perhaps you might like to take those sheets away with you and see where it is that you would like to grow in your relationship with Jesus. Why don't we stand together now and perhaps the band could come back. So that's been a lot of information, I realise that, on a beautiful sunny day. But what I'd love us just to do as we come to a close is I'd love it if you could grab your sheet and just look through it with prayerful eyes. Let's ask the Holy Spirit if he wants to highlight anything to us. Is there one of those areas that you want to grow in? Or do you think, actually, yeah, the week of the 8th of September, I'm going to set aside some time to focus on this as a bit of a kind of retreat or a resetting kind of week. So why not I pray? Dear Holy Spirit, thank you that you love us individually and you speak to us specifically. And we invite you and welcome you. And we ask that we would become more like you, more like Jesus. So would you show us the patterns and practices that you would love us to grow in? Speak to us really specifically about this. And come and help us to follow through. And then why don't you just take a little bit of time to think or to look at the sheet and see if anything jumps out to you.
And then rather than this just be a moment, I'd love you to think about what you might do as a result. And perhaps you want to write something down on your phone or on a piece of paper. Or just make a commitment to do something. If God's spoken to you, don't let that just kind of blow away as you go out into the sunshine. And the band are going to lead us in some worship and it might be that you just want to sing and engage with God like that. But if you'd like to have somebody to pray for you about one of these things or about something completely different, we would love to do that too. If you're in one of our life groups and you're happy to pray, then do come forward. We'd just love just to bless what God's doing. Why don't you lead us? And then if you want some prayer, why don't you come forward now?
opportunity just to respond if you would like to receive ministry, if you'd like to be prayed for this morning, if something's going on for you. I just has this sense that for one or two people, I don't think Joe said it like this in any way, but what, how you look at this is in your mind or the lens that you're looking through, you see um, what, what it feels like to you is just a list of rules or a checklist. And it feels like something that's a burden rather than something that's an invitation. And, uh, you know, I don't think Joe has said it in that way at all, but, you know, the whole reason for sort of doing this reset thing is this is an invitation from the Lord. And for some of us, when we hear that invitation, what we, we don't hear it as an invitation, we hear it as a list of things we've got to do. And that's kind of, um, you know, that's hard to hear. And it perhaps it sets on the wrong. And if that's where you're at, then I'd lo- just, we'd love to pray for you, actually. Because if that's not what we're saying, but if that's how you're hearing it, then we just love to, I'd just love to pray for you that the Holy Spirit would show you a different way. Um, and what, what Joe's laid out here is an invitation from the Lord to come closer. An invitation to take some practical steps to come closer. And I know that for some of us that touches a nerve. It, 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 it res- resonates in us. And so if that's you, we just want to make it clear that there's, a, there's an opportunity to receive right now. There's an opportunity to respond in this moment to what God is saying and doing. And if that's you, we'd love to pray for you. We're not going to force it. I think for many of us, actually, what God wants us to do is to take this home and pray over it and just think carefully. And it's a practical response. It may be that our response is to set an alarm on our phone or it's to look in our diary and put some, make some appointments in our diary. Um, so it may be that today's response is just very practical. But if actually there's something going on in your heart that's making you either say, yes, I want more of this, or oh, I'm not sure how I feel about this, then we'd love to pray for you. So just as we continue to worship, and in a moment I'm going to kind of dismiss you, but um, do come forward and uh, do come forward and receive if that's where you're at. There is an opportunity to receive. And we would love to. If you've come with any other need today, if you've got a physical need or an emotional need, if you feel like you would just love to have someone pray for you, then come. Um, there is space. And can I have one or two folks from the church to come and pray for these guys as well? So bless you for that. This is a safe place. Church is a safe space. It's a safe space to encounter Jesus and to support one another in that. So, Holy Spirit, thank you for all that you're doing this morning among us. Thank you for these words of challenge and encouragement. Thank you for all that you're doing. Please continue to lead us to Jesus and lead us to the Father. And we bless what you're doing. We bless what you're doing. We bless you. So guys, be be blessed to continue to worship if that's what you want to do, just to stay in God's presence. If you need to go and get your kids, please do go and do that now. Sign them out from upstairs. Um, There is coffee and tea and refreshments available, and we'll be around just chatting. And if you want to receive prayer, if you want someone to pray for you, then we've got that opportunity as well. Um, And otherwise, just really enjoy the bank holiday. Have a great time. Enjoy the weather. Um, And uh, and we'll, we'll bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.